I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning and welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am your host, Mike Madison. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, lots to lots to get to, as always. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at some of the economic stuff. I usually open with that, but I ran across a couple of really good kind of quotes of the day. There are actually a couple of uh, Twitter threads that I wanted to read. So we've got a little bit of, bit of economic stuff. We recently have seen Medicaid expansion here in Mississippi, or I guess it's pending, depending on if Tate Reeves has signed this thing yet. Uh, this is being recorded a little bit before. We know that. Uh, But with the idea of Medicaid expansion in the state of Mississippi, a very interesting story I ran across about Medicaid. For those of you out there very excited, thinking you've got free health care coming your way. Uh, So we'll talk about that and a couple of, uh, an interesting observation I've had about a grocery product that I bought that I really am scratching my head trying to figure out exactly what the purpose of it is. So anyway, we'll we'll get to those things uh, coming in a little bit. But I wanted to start off with this. I ran across a Twitter thread. Uh, by someone named Donnie, D-O-N-I. Uh, they go by, uh, they're at Donnie, D-O-N-I, the Don. And this is a, uh, she's an attractive, uh, looks to be a, a 20, 30-something black woman. And I ran across this Twitter thread. Uh, you can imagine the algorithm of what I look at on Twitter is pretty liberty-based, I would say, kind of freedom-based. And so I was looking at it, I ran across this, it said, uh, her first tweet says, Unfortunately, this must be explained, but here we go. Listen closely, folks, for I shall unravel the mysteries of the government and its true nature. It's a simple concept. Now that was her top tweet there, so of course that's clickbait to me, so I wanted to see what Donnie the Don had to say about the nature, the true nature of our government, and here's what I found. I think I've fallen in love. She says, this is, uh, she's, well, let me, let me put those together there. She said, uh, listen closely, folks, for I shall unravel the mysteries of the government and its true nature. It's a simple concept, one that even a child of tender years can comprehend. And here it is. The government is merely a handful of human beings, no different from you or me. Whether they were elected or not, they are still human, and no amount of power can alter that fact. They are not endowed with the otherworldly abilities to rule over their fellow men and women. The only authority they have is that which has been granted to them, no more and no less, but alas, too often, the government takes liberties with this authority and gives itself powers it was never meant to have. When these humans use the government as a weapon, employing coercion, intimidation, and violence to force their personal beliefs upon others, that is nothing short of slavery. For no human being has ever been granted arbitrary control over another. 
So let us remember that the government is not a mystical entity, but a mere collection of individuals, and let us be vigilant in ensuring that they do not stray from their rightful path and do not use their authority for their selfish ends. For in the end, it is we, the people, who hold the true power. It feels a little naive towards the end. <laughs> I think uh, the, uh, the horses left the barn. Is that what they say? Is that the cow is? Something left the barn uh, a while back. But I do like the idea that she says, you know, human beings, they're, they're never just granted arbitrary control of other people. We have gotten in our minds that if somebody attains some level of office, if they become some, some bureaucrat with some level of influence, suddenly they're above us. They certainly have mystical powers. Now, the libertarian idea is really that government shouldn't be granted the power to do anything that individual citizens can't do. And that's a mind bender, isn't it? When you think about all the things that the, <laughs> that the government does. See, I can't go to my neighbor and tell him, hey, I've got a great idea for how we should live our lives. I'm going to need a third of your income to make it happen. The neighbor slams the door in my face just as we should be able to slam the door in the face of anybody that came to us with that same thing. But anyway, Donnie the Don, uh, she's got it going on. Um, here's another one. Uh, I, well, let me put this here. I can't help myself. Uh, Donnie the Don. When I saw the name Donnie the Don, I thought for a second, well, maybe I wonder if she's a, you know, a Trump supporter. I still admire what she said, but I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a Trump guy. And so I happened to notice another tweet on there uh, where she was showing a post from Donald Trump. I guess this is from Truth Social. I don't know. It's reposted on Twitter where, where most of Trump's Truth Social posts are seen. Uh, and uh, she has on here, she just commented, too late, question mark? Yes. And she said that in response to this. I guess Donald Trump had put this on Trump social. Let the January 6th prisoners go. They were convicted or are awaiting trial based on a giant lie, a radical left con job. Thank you to Tucker Carlson and the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, for what you both have done. New video footage is irrefutable. And as Donnie the Don says, and I agree with her on this too, too late. Don. Yeah, Donald Trump had a chance to pardon these people years ago uh, to just talk about the fates they're suffering now. Too late. Too little. Too late. Here is another very interesting uh, thread from another thinker. Now, this is from Caitlin Johnstone, who I've referenced many times. I think she's a great writer. Uh, I think she's a socialist probably in her kind of domestic policy stuff, so I disagree with her on a whole lot of things. But when it comes to wars, she's, uh, she's sharp as they come. Here's what she put out there. She said, Notice how there's bipartisan support for escalations against Russia with the occasional voice of sanity permitted on the Republican side, and there's bipartisan support for escalations against China with the occasional voice of sanity permitted on the Democrat side. She goes on to say the Democrats furiously promote escalations against Russia with Republicans playing a more passive, accepting role, and Republicans furiously promoting escalations against China with Democrats playing a more passive, accepting role. Each carries forward different parts of the agenda. In this way, the empire prevents partisans from arguing about if Cold War escalations should occur and gets them arguing instead about where they should occur. The debate isn't, quote, should we militarize against a powerful country? It's, quote, should we militarize against Russia or China? 
I thought this was actually a great thread, and this is where I told you, conservatives, don't fall back into the war machine. They have just got you now. Now they're offering you two huge wars so that you can pick sides on that too. Used to be we'd at least just focus in on Iraq or Afghanistan. It's all kind of the same thing in the war on terror. Now they're trying to give us two great powers, and we get to divide ourselves. Democrats, here's your war. Republicans, here's your war. And I guess we're supposed to start arguing, your war is dumb. Your war in the Ukraine is stupid. My war in China, that's the right war. This is where they've got us now. She's exactly right. The empire has now got us bickering over wars. When in actuality in Washington, D.C., nobody's in earnest putting together a legitimate challenge to either one of them. Uh, When I come back a little bit along these lines, and a very interesting thing about a project, uh, something that Google had done. Have you heard of this thing, Project Owl? Well, I tell you what, I lived through it real time. And I've talked about it on this show, but I never knew the name of it. Project Owl with Google. We're going to get to that when we come back. Stick around. I'll be right back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WIAB. Um, I've talked a lot about TikTok, and I'm not a TikTok guy. There's a whole lot of reasons to hate TikTok, but this national security idea is kind of laughable to me for many reasons, but I'm going to talk about one of them right now. I saw a story that appeared on Zero Hedge. Senior Intel official warns of TikTok's influence on U.S. citizens. U.S. National Security Agency Director Paul Nakasone has said he is concerned about what data Chinese-owned TikTok may be collecting on users and how it could influence American children. Nakasone expressed his concerns during testimony delivered between, uh, before the Senate Armed Services Committee on March 7th, asked by Senator Tommy Tuberville, the Republican from Alabama, about any worries he had about TikTok's influence on kids in America. Nakasone responded, quote, TikTok concerns me for a number of different reasons. One is the data that they have. Secondly is the algorithm and the control. Who controls the algorithm? Third is the broad platform influence operations, as we talked about previously. It's not only a fact that you can influence something, but you can also turn off the message as well when you have such a large population of listeners. So this is our NSA director. He's worried about TikTok's influence on our kids. Well, I got to tell you, I just recently saw a story about, what was it, the Borgs? Have you seen this? This was a TikTok challenge. Apparently, the University of, uh, of Massachusetts, where my mom went to school, she'd be so proud. They had a problem with kids getting into something called the Borg Challenge or something like that on TikTok, where essentially they just take a gallon jug of water, pour out half the water, fill it the rest of the way with a, a giant bottle of vodka, and then pour in some kind of some of those little squirt flavorings, energy drink, and then just shake it up. And then they just walk around with these giant gallon things and they drink them. And like 46 kids or something had to be go to the hospital, probably for alcohol poisoning. I would love to be very judgmental on these children, but that sounds like exactly something I would have done in college. (laughs) I guarantee you I would have jumped on that trend. 
I don't know. That's really all that much worse. I spent a lot of time as social chairman of my fraternity taking bottles of Everclear, which is almost pure grain alcohol, and mixing it with Kool-Aid mix in a giant trash can, stirring it up with a paddle, and sampling it all along the way during the afternoon long before the party started. So I, I, it's hard for me to judge kids trying to get their party on. It's stupid, kids. Don't do that. You will regret it, but sounds like something I might have done. So TikTok has got all kinds of things out there. But do you mean to tell me that Facebook... Instagram. See, I think this is what the problem is. I think that uh, I think all of the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the YouTube, who's got reels? I don't even know what all these things are. I don't do them. But they're all trying to compete against TikTok, and apparently TikTok's eating their lunch. I think that's the big thing about TikTok. But if you want to talk about influencing our children, what have all these other social media things done when it comes to either the transgender stuff or I mean, just any of it? These social media companies are horrific for influencing our children. I can't stand TikTok for a list of reasons. I think it's destroying the attention span of people. I see 50 and 60-year-old people sharing that crap with me. <laughs> no offense. Hopefully it was just sent to you, because if you're an adult scrolling TikTok, I don't understand what you could possibly be getting from that. I, I, I have found myself, when someone sends me a clip and all of a sudden it loads another video, I, it, it almost gives me a seizure. I can see how it might draw you in. I can't imagine what it would do to my brain to spend hours on TikTok. But anyway, even the clips I'm sent are usually tedious or weird or just stupid. But I'll admit I'm, I don't understand it because I don't use it. Maybe there's something good about it. But uh, the idea that there's some kind of unique evil compared to all the other brain-destroying social media seems extremely silly to me. They collect data. Our companies collect data. They influence Americans. Our companies influence Americans in destructive ways. They destroy attention spans. Our companies destroy, uh, destroy attention spans. They propagandize. We propagandize. I mean, I think the problem for these people is that only that this is a Chinese company that's eating an American company's lunch. So uh, once again, they're coming after TikTok. I just found that interesting in light of this story. There's a flow to this show. You feel it? I ran across this in Politico, of all places. DHS, that's Department of Homeland Security, has a program gathering domestic intelligence, and virtually no one knows about it. For years, the Department of Homeland Security has run a virtually unknown program gathering domestic intelligence, one of many revelations in a wide-ranging tranche of internal documents reviewed by Politico. These documents also reveal that a significant number of employees in DHS's intelligence offices have raised concerns that the work they do could be illegal. And it goes through the facts of this thing. Under this domestic surveillance intelligence program, officials are allowed to seek interviews with just about anyone in the U.S. That includes people held in immigrant detention centers, local jails, and federal prisons. DHS's intelligence professionals have to say they're conducting intelligence interviews and they have to tell people uh, they seek to interview that their participation is voluntary, but the fact that they're allowed to go directly to incarcerated people circumventing their lawyers raises important civil liberties concerns, according to legal experts. But listen to this one. One unnamed employee quoted in an April 2021 document said, leadership of uh, INA's Office of Regional Intelligence is, quote, shady, and, quote, runs like a corrupt government. 
Another document said that some employees worried so much about the legality of their activities that they wanted their employer to cover legal liability insurance. So while everybody is focused over there on TikTok, your own intelligence agencies in this country, in Department of Homeland Security, started by anyone, anyone, started by George W. Bush and a Republican Congress, Libertarians on the sidelines screaming, you don't want to do this. You don't want a new bureaucracy that's spying on the American people through the Patriot Act and the National uh, Defense Authorization Act. Don't do this. Did anybody listen? No. No. Just a bunch of radical freedom people over there on the sidelines. Who wants to listen to them? Anyway, turns out they're doing all kinds of illegal things. Even their employees, even their employees are getting a creepy vibe from this thing. But that leads me a little bit to this, too. Um, while we're worried about TikTok and all the focus is on TikTok, the fact is the propaganda that is really affecting our children is coming from a lot of domestic comp- uh, companies, too. The social media, the big tech giants. We, we know what they're up to, right? Elon Musk has uncovered things at Twitter that really show how they have been trying to manipulate the minds of Americans. Well, Google has certainly been doing it. And I thought this was interesting. This was Matt Taibbi. He was on the Joe Rogan show. And I had talked before about the fact that when I came on air, it was January 3rd of 2017. In the years prior to that, and probably for about the first year of my show, pretty easy for me to do research. because I, And usually the results I was looking for, which are things like the revolving door, you know, between the FDA and Big Pharma or any of these kinds of things that I investigate, they were generally pretty easy to find uh, sources outside of the mainstream because my searches were pretty specific. And I noticed after about the first or second year, looking at 2017, 2018, it was harder and harder. I, I commented on this many times on the show, how hard it was. Now I was having to go down 30, 40, 5, 6, 7 pages in search results to try to find a source that I trusted because the first ones were always going to be the CDC, the FDA, the SEC. It was going to be uh, the New York Times, USA Today, Reuters fact checkers, all of the establishment mouthpieces. Suddenly that was my first 10 pages. I didn't know that it was, I, you know, I knew they were up to something. It was very definite. I didn't know there was a name for it. This is Matt Taibbi explaining what Google actually did. They, they want to have a hierarchical system that, that decides what's more – like you talk about Google's search engine. Like they changed they, – they had a thing called Project Owl that they implemented in – I think it was 2017 – where they change their um, their way of measuring what stories come up first, um, and they they shifted to a model that emphasized what they called authority. And when I asked them what that meant, they told me that they, the analogy they gave was: think about if you, if you search for baseball previously, you might have gotten your local little league. Now you're going to get MLB.com, right? So it, it, whatever we consider the more authoritative source, and that's based on surveys of, of people, what people think is authoritative, that's what's going to come up first. So instead of, if you search for, let's just say, Trotskyism, instead of getting the world's leading Trotskyist website, right, which is the World Socialist website, you will get a, like a New York Times story about Trotskyism in, mm. instead, right? Because yeah. they, they want to push you towards the authoritative source. Right. But that's subjective, right? And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's hierarchical. Um, and and it, 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 it's, a, it's away from the spirit of how we would like to ingest information, which is just let's, let's see all of it and make our own decision. Yeah, those days are over. 
<laughs> just unbridled access. The, the internet, it took them a while to really respond to it, understand what they were up against. They figured it out in the last few years, haven't they? They've really tried to corral us, and God love independent and alternative media. They have broken through. And uh, can you only imagine, I think I've talked about this before, during COVID or during this uh, this conflict between Ukraine and Russia, can you imagine if we were still relying on just the big three networks to get all of our information, that there was nobody else out there running YouTube channels like Judge Napolitano uh, interviewing Colonel Douglas McGregor, telling you what's actually happening on the ground? The people who are actually able to report from inside Ukraine and tell us what's going on there. Can you even imagine what a stranglehold they had on propaganda uh, until the Internet? And now they've tried to bottle that. It's too late. Too late. Uh, But Google has done their dead level best. But anyway, apparently I was on the receiving end of my research years ago of Project Owl. I can only imagine they're trying to make some reference to wisdom there, the wise owl. It's actually exact. It's I, I don't know what project name I would have given it. I should have stopped and thought about something clever, but it wouldn't be anything to do with wisdom. One final thing on kind of foreign policy and this, you know, attack on TikTok. They're a Chinese company. They're coming to take our stuff. All those things. Uh, for all of you out there who you you think we should stop funding this stupid uh, uh, Ukrainian situation. But you're absolutely ready to send F-16s and whatever it takes to Taiwan to protect themselves from China. Even the Taiwanese are a little sick of our belligerence. Uh, Taiwan convinces Kevin McCarthy to downgrade his Taipei trip to avoid angering China. Taiwan's president, not going to pronounce his name, uh, has convinced House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to downgrade a planned trip to Taipei and instead meet in California in order to avoid an aggressive military uh, Chinese response. And and this is, <laughs> look, even the Taiwanese are going, look, we know, we, you know, the, the leadership of Taiwan right now, I've told you, one of the major parties in Taiwan is actually pro being part of China, but the party in charge right now doesn't want to be part of China. But even they are like, can y'all please stop making things difficult for us? We're just over here hoping the Chinese don't overrun us. You're over here waving a red flag and like you do, would in a bullfight. Can you please just leave us alone and let us let us deal with what's going on over here? We don't need the Speaker of the House. And for anybody who thinks that this was this is no good, Kevin McCarthy should go. Did you feel that way when Nancy Pelosi made her planned trip to Taiwan? I can't remember if she actually made that trip. I think she did. Do you think it was necessary for American leadership that Nancy Pelosi represent the United States in you know to really stand down China? I didn't want Nancy Pelosi going over there. I don't want Kevin McCarthy going over there. I don't want our money going over there, our arms going over there, or our kids going over to Taiwan. It is a border skirmish like they have in Russia and Ukraine right now. These are not one war is a good one and one is a bad one. They're both just bad. I'll be right back. Back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I'm about to give you some stock market tip. Now, this is not to be construed as investment advice. Anyone who would have listened to my investment advice over the last 10 years 
really missed a lot of gains. <laughs> I've had no faith in this market, and it just continued to trudge higher. But I think I have found something fairly interesting. I'll tell you how I used it recently and uh, probably saved me a little bit of pain. But I wanted to cover this real quick. So Mississippi has decided to make a f another deal with the federal devil, the federal government, and expand Medicare here in the state of Mississippi. Um, if you think that this is uh, this is great, I mean, more welfare and fed bucks for the welfare state. Three cheers for more federal chains in Mississippi. Congratulations to your Republican uh, governor, your Republican House, your Republican Senate. They're really some. That's a real free market force there. It's been interesting listening to Stephen Utraska on his morning show and his frustration, which I share. He's exactly right. He he knows why this is actually happening, and I know it has to do with probably, you know, hospitals and it, it, it's lobbyists who made this happen. None of them care, Republicans or Democrats. They don't care about the little people out there. They're just there's some kind of graph to it. I'd have to talk to Stephen to find out exactly uh, what that is. But anyway. If you're older and you get sick, at least there's Medicare if you're a big fan of that, because both Republicans and Democrats love Medicare. 60% of Republicans in polls that I've seen want Medicare for all. And, I, you know, I actually get that. I understand it. We allow ourselves to be robbed of a third of our income, and that makes it pretty difficult to afford personal insurance. Because that cost has been jacked up, too, because the government stuck its nose into health care. And, and they've jacked up the price. Then they take our income, makes it harder for us to afford the product that they made more expensive. I mean, it's, it's an ugly, vicious circle. Uh, so instead of tackling the problem of getting government out of the medical business, and then that would make premiums and costs go down, and stopping them from stealing our, in, our incomes where we could afford private insurance, instead of tackling those things, uh, we just throw our hands up in the air and say, that's the way the world is, and now we just want to get something free. So a lot of people are for this Medicare for all stuff. Uh, lots of people on the left that I like in many things, but they're, they, and, and I understand, struggling with these, healthcare is a mess right now. You tell anybody, hey, would you like to get rid of your healthcare premiums, all the expense there is around medical care right now? Everybody wants to. I'm just telling you, giving it all over to the federal government. It ain't going to be free. It's not going to be good care. Neither one of those. And speaking of Medicare, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the, the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party had tweeted this out. They said, free health care isn't free. And they're referencing a story that appeared on NPR of all places. And they have a story, a woman standing in front of a little home, snow-covered home, quaint little Looks like a 1950s, you know, 40s uh, GI Bill home, something like that. Not GI Bill, but you know what I mean. Uh, here's the NPR story. After their mother died, one Iowa family received a startling letter. Medicaid covered her health care, so the government was recouping its money by taking the house. It seemed bogus, but it was very real. In NPR, I didn't actually look up the story on this thing, or I, I think I did, but I don't have it in front of me here, so I've just got this, you know, kind of the beginning. It just says, depending on where they lived, demands for repayment can drain the assets that a patient on Medicaid leaves behind after they die. Apparently, Iowa very aggressively finds this. So it may be free while you're kicking, but as soon as you're gone, whatever you thought you were leaving to your heirs, oh no, 
That'll stand in the stead uh, for the money that you spent. And I can only imagine that the hospitals and doctors and everybody get to divvy up the goods once they go in and start stealing everything, you know, and everybody thinks to themselves, but wait, I paid Medicaid premiums. How can that be possible? <laughs> it's possible. Believe me, it's happening. I, um, I ran across something strange in the grocery store the other day. And I don't know if this means anything. You know, I, I've got a weird mind. I've told you, inside the mind of Mike Madison, I look at things very differently than other people do. Um, paper towels. A few years ago, I don't know how many, five, ten years ago, they started doing the uh, select size paper towels, right? You know, uh, a paper towel used to be basically a kind of a, a square. I don't know, what is it, a foot by a foot, something along those lines, I don't know. But it was a square, and they came out with these selectasize, where the squares were cut and, you know, had a perforation down them, so you could pull, like, a rectangle off, like half of one of those old sheets. Well, for me, I kind of liked that, because, to be honest with you, I'm lazy and a single dude, and oftentimes I use paper towels as napkins, and this show notwithstanding, I don't have a very big mouth, so a half a paper towel was perfect for me. So I kind of liked the select a size. I would just use half a paper towel so I didn't have to waste it using a, one as a napkin. Uh, but then I saw this the other day, and I think this is new. Uh, I don't, have you seen this? Now you can take uh, that half sheet. You know, the half sheet that you tear long ways. It's the, you know, it's one side of the old square. You know what I'm saying. Now you can split it into two halves across the middle <laughs> so you can actually have, they have the, the, the perforations, now you can use a quarter of a sheet. Now, I'm just saying, are Americans so broke now that we need to reduce our paper towel usage by 75% just to make ends meet? Who in the hell is out there using a quarter of a sheet of a paper towel, and what could they possibly be using that for? <laughs> I will say, I'm frugal. I just, I'm not real wasteful. Uh, occasionally, if I want to put a paper towel down instead of a, you know, one of my drinks is sweating, I'll take one of those halves and I'll fold it over and put it under a drink to kind of, you know, soak up some of that. <laughs> should, should I tear the paper towel in two now? So I, now I have two coasters. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying this kind of... Uh, this seemed to almost be a financial indicator to me when I looked at it. I thought, oh my gosh, Americans are having to stretch their paper towels just to make it through to the next payday. I think this may be the reason that this is happening. Uh, maybe someone can correct me. All right, here we go. Let me give you an investing tip because it just worked out for me. Uh, there are people who trade stocks. They're called uh, chartist or technical analysts. And I'll be honest with you, for for a lot of the time, even when I was a financial advisor, I thought it was a little bit of hocus pocus. If you've ever seen these guys, they draw channel lines and they they look at the acti action of stocks and they'll say, you know, this one's going to go up because it's here or it's there and, you know, it's, it's trended this way. There's just a whole lot. It's very complicated stuff. And I've always thought to myself, well, that, that really takes out, number one, the human element. It takes out things like when products become popular. It takes out uh, geopolitical events. And so I never really relied on it at all. But now we have a situation that's a little different that I'll explain in just a second. But um, and, and please, there's plenty of really smart people who do charting. Uh, they make their living trading stocks. There's something to it. It just always felt a little bit too sterile for me. It left off kind of the human nature side of the stock market. 
The problem is, is that we don't have as many humans involved with the stock market anymore. I believe the statistic is somewhere around 70 to 80 percent of stocks now are traded uh, without any human interaction. They're algorithms, they're pre-programmed. You know, the big brokerage houses, uh, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago, they stopped hiring as many MBAs. They didn't want any any people with masters in business, those kinds of things. They started hiring uh, quants, people in computer science, people who could build these algorithms and manage data. Uh, that's who's running a big chunk of what goes through the stock market now. So I saw something... Uh, I was helping my son actually trade on one of his accounts. I'm helping him with, try to get him a little nest egg. And I told him to watch the S&P 500. I was watching what's called the 200-day moving average. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time explaining all this stuff, but it's a line. And the technical analyst, I saw someone saying something like, you know, pay attention to this line. So, so if a stock is coming down, there'll be a line under it called the support. Meaning if the stock trades through that level, then it's probably going to fall a lot further. But if it hits that level and then bounces up before falling through that level, then maybe the stock market's going to go up for a while. So I listened to this and I looked at it and I was watching with my son, the S&P 500, uh, and if the support level was 3,950, 3,950. And the idea to trigger this is it has to close below 3,950. And if it does the stock has a very high likelihood of really falling off a cliff, really going down, the whole market. And I was, I've was i been watching it kind of bounce around this level. It's been trading between 3950 and 4100 for a period of time. And so it was getting down, it got down to 3950 and in the middle of the day, it had gotten down to maybe like 3930, well below that 3950. But the key is you have to let it close, not just what it trades at intraday during the course of the day, you have to wait for it to close. I got antsy and I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, this thing is definitely going down. I'm going to go ahead and tell my son to make that trade now. Let's short. I mean, we're going to bet against the S&P 500. Let's short it. And then I stopped myself and said, no, Mike, we're going to wait and see if it closes below the 39.50. Well, during the afternoon, after I almost triggered that trade to short the S&P 500, to bet against it, it bounced. And then it bounced again and it bounced again. And the fund that I was going to use is like, it's, it's a leveraged account. It's a, it's a risky bet. It's a bit of a gambling, actually. I'm just kind of testing this hypothesis with a very aggressive, very volatile fund. If I had taken that trade in the middle of the day, like within the next two days, I would have lost 6 or 7%, or my son would have. <laughs> Easier to bet with his money, isn't it? Um, but I didn't pull the trigger, and I waited, and it still has not closed below 39.50. Anyway, because computers are in charge of these things now, I think it may be important for people to pay attention to these levels. Uh, Sven Henrik, he is on Twitter. You can find him online. He's a technical analyst. He's a very smart guy. Don't always agree with him, but he puts some interesting stuff out there. Maybe look at him. If you've got a little bit of money where you're trading, where you're trying to catch the top of a market or the bottom of a market or know what levels to watch, which, which way you should be, long the market, short the market, technical analyst, because what happens is had, that, had the S&P closed below 39.50, I believe, there are a whole lot of computers at J.P. Morgan, at Citadel, uh, at, at Bank of America, in the big trading houses, in the big hedge funds. There's a lot of computers waiting on that thing to break through that trend line, too, waiting to break through the bottom of the support. And they, without any human intervention, they just go, OK, boom, time to sell. 
and they trigger a bunch of cell, cell activity. There's just not that many humans involved in this anymore. It's not there's nobody looking and going, well, we're getting some economic numbers next week. I'm going to wait or, you know, IBM reported this and it might wait. No, these are computers watching these particular price movements and they make the decision. The, the human beings are having a three cocktail lunch somewhere and these computers are in charge. Anyway, technical anal uh, uh, analysis may be something we need to pay more attention to because the computers are in charge of the stock market. Hope so you're right. You can't back. see the end. Skies cock back. Shock at which can't defend the rain, then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power of suggestion. Then with the eyes shut, looking through the rust and rotten dust, a small spot of light floods the floor and pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. Right in the top, I stop. At the core, I forgot it. All right, I've only got a few minutes left here, but I wanted to hit just a couple more economic things that I just thought were funny. Joe Biden put out a tweet. Joe Biden's constantly coming out and telling us how great the economy is. He's not the first president to do it. He won't be the last. They just lie. Biden put out a tweet that said this. He said, I'm sick and tired of talking about trickle-down economics. I ran for president to build the economy from the bottom up and middle out, and we're getting it done. This is what he said. 35,000 likes as of the minute right now I'm looking at this tweet. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. Maybe there's 35,000 people in a nation of 350 million people that have benefited from Joe Biden policies. But uh, uh, he says he's building from the bottom up and the middle out. And he's getting it done. It was just interesting because I ran across this, this tweet. It was actually a Libertarian Party had responded to it very snidely, which I love. They troll President Biden. Every, every tweet the White House puts out, the Libertarian Party has got a response tweet to it that is very pointed. They pull no punches. But I saw this Biden tweet about the same time I saw this story. This was on Zero Hedge. The government is trying to kill us now. That's a quote. Low-income Americans fume in mile-long food lines after pandemic benefits end. They talk about all the states that have now ended the pandemic states of emergency. Now people are waiting up to nine hours in mile-long lines for free food, some of whom say they can only afford to eat once per day, while others say they limit expensive food items such as meat for specific family members such as growing teenage boys. This is in the United States of America. Quote, I thought, wow, the government is trying to kill us now. <laughs> well, she's right. They are trying to kill you in a whole host of ways. This isn't the only one. Uh, that's what 63-year-old Danny Blair of Kentucky said. Blair, who lives in a mobile home with his wife, survives on a Social Security disability check. Quote, they are going to starve us out. Blair and his wife hop into their truck twice a month at 4 a.m. to ensure they get a few staples at the Hazel Green Food Project's giveaway. On a recent Friday, they waited nine hours until local prisoners on work duty started loading bags of meat and vegetables, potato chips, and cookies into vehicles in one of the nation's most impoverished communities. All they need to do is just rename themselves Kiev. They just need to tell, the, tell Joe Biden, we identify as Ukrainians. Oh, the money will come flowing into this area. From the front to the back of the line, the sea of despair and hardship among this desolate Kentucky highway foreshadowed what may be in store for millions of Americans as the federal government ended the remaining pandemic increase in monthly food stamp benefits last week. 
That's it, Joe Biden. You're building from the bottom up, from the middle out. You've got people waiting in nine-hour lines just to feed themselves. This is America. Families that are saying, well, Mel Ma, we can't have no protein today. We got to give it to Junior. His bones is still growing. Making these kinds of sacrifices. And it, it's, it should not be lost on anyone. Over $100 billion to Ukraine. Hell, every year, $3 billion to Israel. $3.5 billion to Israel. A trillion dollars to the defense contractors. And there are people waiting nine hours in line. I've told you before. This economy has been smoking mirrors for a long time. We have had bread lines in this country since the 60s. It's just that they were called food stamps. And recently they've gone electronic. Everybody looks like they're just swiping a debit card, but they're not all swiping debit cards. A lot of people in these lines, in these stores, they're swiping benefit cards. Now, they didn't have that technology back in the 1920s, the 1930s, during the Great Depression. No, you had to stand in line to get your bread. We have the same situation now and have for decades. We've just hidden it. We've hidden it by making it a little bit easier to just go into the store and get your goodies. You don't have to stand in line anymore. That's a bad photo op. The government doesn't look good if people are standing in line waiting for food. Now it's gotten so bad, they are. Nine hours in a line just to feed your family. And Joe Biden has the audacity for all of you Democrats out there who think he likes the little people. He's building the economy from the ground up. <laughs> oh, Lord. No, he's trying to put you in the ground. That's what uh, old Uncle Joe Biden's doing for you. It, this is really sad in the United States. Hate to see it. That's where we are right now. Anyway, hopefully happier times for all of us. And if you use my stock trading tip, maybe you can avoid that fate. <laughs> Not to be used as investment advice. That's all the time I got. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Here comes a radio now.